Welcome to the Grace Avenue Church Podcast, where we believe that the grace of God is yours to live. It is our prayer that this message will help you experience God's freedom, live your potential, and make the impact you were created for. Now here's the message. So good morning. Welcome. Let's jump into the Word this morning. I've been in a series called Back to Basics, and I've been talking about just some of the foundational things that I think are so important that we come back to uh, after the last 18 months and everything that you see happening uh, in our nation, things happening in the city, things happening in our families, uh, things just happening to us, um, and the fact that 50,000 churches have shut their doors. Did you know that? 50,000 churches have shut their doors. A lot of pastors, thousands, are, are quitting. Uh, the, you know, what people don't understand about that is for a, a lot of times we sign up to serve the Lord. We don't know that serving the Lord as a pastor actually means having to know real estate, having to know how to fix air conditioners, having to work graphics, having to, having to have teams and people and all kinds of stuff. And it takes a team to build a healthy church and a great church. But there's a lot of pressure out there for a lot of pastors and a lot of churches. And so things have worn people down. And if it's causing God's shepherds uh, to be worn down and to quit, uh, how much more are, are, are some of the rest of us just carrying weight and trying to do life? Amen? So I wanted to go back to the basics in this last series over the last month or two. And I've been talking about just various aspects of God's character and nature so that we understand Him more and understand ourselves more. And today I want to speak a message called God Gave and God Gives. God Gave and God Gives. It's the nature of God to be a giver. It's the nature of God that he gave. That's his character. Everything he is, everything he does, he's a giver. God is not a a taker. God is a giver. And I'm I'm saying this today in that simplistic form uh, so that we understand this. We often come to church uh, and we hear a word and we hear it, uh, we receive it, and then we walk away in faith to believe it. But the truth is, for many of us, We're walking away hearing something that we said amen to that we've still yet to be tested in. (laughs) We we don't have a full revelation of it. So I'll give you an example. We can be walking through a season of loss or disappointment, and we can hear that God is the comforter, hear that God makes us whole, hear that God is healing us, but then we say amen because we believe it, we receive it, we take it by faith, but then we have to go and walk that out Monday through Saturday. And we walk it out in our jobs, we walk it out in our families, we walk it out with our neighbors, we walk it out by ourselves. We're walking this thing out. And many times when it comes to understanding that that God is really our strength and our refuge, it has to be, it has to cross this line from hype to actual help. Like, nothing wrong with an amen and shouting amen, but we have to remember it's more than an amen. It's the practice of the very thing that God deposited into us. On Sunday, now we're walking it out. Now we're carrying that word, not just dropping the baggage of our disappointment, but picking up the baggage of faith and saying, I'm going to walk this out. Saying, I'm going to get through this season by God's grace, carrying faith through this season. And the disciples that were walking with Jesus often heard things from Jesus that in many ways they said amen to, but they didn't fully comprehend until much later after he was crucified and rose from the dead. Many times they saw the miracles, the teachings, the, de- the demons cast out, the 5,000 fed, the 4,000 fed, right? The woman with the issue of blood, the blind saw, the deaf heard. Jesus did all of these things, and the disciples were with him in that season, 
in those seasons and through all that time, yet they still forgot things. They still dropped the ball on things. They still didn't remember certain things. And in Luke chapter 24, after Jesus is crucified and he, and he, he rises from the dead, right? He's raised from the dead. We know this scripture from Easter, but I want to bring it back here, even though it's not Easter. It says, he is not here. Okay, the tomb's empty. He's not here. Remember, there's the key word, remember how Jesus told you. While he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day, be raised again. And listen to this verse. Then they remembered his words. They remembered what he said. And in times of fear or uncertainty or, or places where we're lonely or things aren't happening the way we want them to or thought they would go, this is the guidepost for us to remember that God gave and God still gives. It's the sign to point us in the direction that there are things that we need to remember that God said. Things that God anchored us in a long time ago that maybe have kind of shaken us loose. Things that have anchored us before in the past. Peace that anchored us. Stability that anchored us. Hope that anchored us. But somehow we've gotten away from it. And, and maybe sometimes we start looking for a new message, a new spouse, a new relationship, a new job. <laughs> I heard some women say, nope. <laughs> Don't go looking for a new spouse in my, in my life. Okay. I'll leave that with them. I'm not getting involved in that one. But when we experience great times of fear and uncertainty, things aren't going the way we thought they were. We get tested in these moments where Jesus says, I am with you always. I'll never leave you. I'll never abandon you. And we heard that and we said amen, but now we have to walk it out. Now we have to do more than just believe it and receive it. Now we have to, by faith, embrace the truth this truth that Jesus has spoken, that's just as alive today as it was when he spoke it 2,000 years ago. Just as alive by the Holy Spirit for us now as it was then when the disciples had to grab a hold of it for themselves. See, in this moment, they have an aha moment. Says, then they remembered. Bam. Then they remembered. You know how you tell your kids, clean the house, and then they say, oh, I forgot when you got home, right? Then they remembered, oh, I forgot that you told me. Same thing. They remembered what Jesus said. What am I trying to say? That our present walk of faith requires us to remember past deposits God has already made. Our present faith, our present season, our present situations, our present challenges, that which we're going through right now requires us to remember past deposits that God has already made. In other words, God already did something that he wants us to remember. He's not asking for us to look for hype. He's asking for us to look for hope in the very thing that he spoke to us a long time ago. The very thing that anchored us. Are you with me this morning? See, now how do we do that? Well, let's listen to what Jesus told the disciples before he was crucified. John chapter 14, he says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he's going to teach you all things. And then bring, listen to this phrase, he's going to bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. See, there's this remembrance factor that we're supposed to be walking in with Jesus. And what, G what Jesus is talking about here is this 
awareness of the Holy Spirit's participation with us in daily life. And we're not supposed to have gotten saved or went to church or had this moment with God and then disconnected from that and said, okay, God, I've got this. That there's a dependence on him that he's bringing us into. He says, the helper, the Holy Spirit, who I'm sending in my name, will teach you all things and he'll bring to your remembrance. In other words, he's going to jog the memory of our spirit for things that were already deposited. Okay, when you read that, he'll bring to remembrance all that I've said to you. It's through an active and willing participation of us in the Holy Spirit that God guides us, teaches us, and directs us. This is what he's saying here, that you and I play a part in actively participating with God day in and day out for God to guide us, teach us, and direct us. How many of you in this season need some guidance, some direction, some specifics? Here's how God says you get it. Not through a new book off Amazon. That might help you. But here's what he's really saying. Through active participation of what God already put in you, what God's already said to you, what God's already doing in you, what God started long ago. See, in the American way, we're always looking for the new thing to get us out of the new problem. And God's like, no, it's, it's the old thing that I anchored you in, that you were anchored in a long time ago, that's actually going to help you in this new season. It's the new thing that's causing us to get all frantic. But it's the old thing that God did that's going to cause us to be stabilized. He's saying in this text that there should be this awareness by each one of us, a daily awareness. Remember, Jesus didn't pray, give us this week our weekly bread. Give us this year our yearly bread, right? Wouldn't it be nice if you just you get all the groceries home and you pray over? Oh, I don't have to pray over every meal. I'll just cover the groceries in prayer, and then it's good for the next month, right? Like we pray about things in the moment. We're thankful in the moment. There's a remembrance that we have over meals, over times with family, over our kids, over our job, over our finances. We're moving through these seasons of life where we have this awareness that we need God's grace in those situations. But we're supposed to have that grace, not just for the situations we're going through, but for our own awareness of what God is trying to teach us today. See, you and I, we're focused on next week and next month and next year, what might happen, what, what might not happen. God's not worried about that. In fact, God says, don't worry at all. He says, focus on today. In, in Luke 22, even when he's at the Last Supper and he's describing for the disciples in this final moment of grief, in this moment where the pressure's on him and he's about to be crucified, here he's speaking so clearly to the disciples. He says, He took the bread, he'd given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to them. And he said, this is my body, which is given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. He's not talking about a shallow act of religious duty. He's talking about this solemn connection that we should have with God in the moment when we take communion. There shouldn't just be some flippant thing that we do and we've done before. That it's this beautiful moment with God where we're coming into a greater awareness that God is with us right here, right now, in the moment. And we're reflecting on what God gave us and what God's giving us. He gave us His Spirit. He gives us His Spirit. He gave us an awareness. He gives us an awareness. He gave us salvation, salvation, and He's still saving us from things. Saving us from ourselves. 
saving us from some of our own decision making, <laughs> waking us up in, in ways that we didn't know we needed to be awakened. Now, I'm spending time on this this morning because for many people, fears and failures and frustrations and anxiousness about the future becomes the sole focus of their time, energy, and resources and their prayer. So we stop living in today and stop having an awareness for today, and it's all about what's not going to happen or what might happen. We could lose the business. We might not get healed. We might lose the job. We might not get the house. The kids might not turn all right. And we become so future-focused that we miss today. We miss the moment. Now, Jesus said in Matthew 6, which one of us can add a single hour to his life by adding worry to the diet? He said, nobody can. He says, none of us can add an hour. We can't add 30 minutes. We can't add a minute. can't add 10 seconds. We can't add anything to our life when we worry. So today I want to help us do two things. Remember these two things. God gave and God gives. God's already given to you. God gave. He gave and he gives. Everybody say, he gave and he gives. He gave how? He gave his son. Right, a verse we, we've heard so many times in so many different ways, in so many different seasons, for God so loved the world that what? He gave. He gave his only son so that whoever believes would not die but have eternal life. So what does that symbolize? Love gave, love sacrificed, love poured out, love extended itself, love did whatever it took to show itself. Love gave. Love established itself sacrificially so that we could be free. Now, that's the nature and the character of God. I'm just going to read these off real quick. God gave us what else? The gift of grace. He gave us the gift of salvation. He gave us the gift of eternal life. He gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit. He gave us the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Everything that you're living in and out of is a natural or supernatural gift of God. Right? I think about a heart surgeon. Like, a heart surgeon has the, the ability to literally go into your heart and cut things and fix things with, with tools that are so sharp. You know, you, you put me in there, I can barely keep peanut butter on the bread without getting it all over the counter when I'm eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Are you with me? How many of you do not want me operating on you when you have a heart operation? I don't have that gift. Someone else has that gift. And God has put natural and supernatural gifts in you that he's called you to walk in. He gave them to you. And he didn't give them to you to be future drenched in frustration and anxiety. He gave them to you to be actively working the ground here and now in this moment, in this season. So you may think you're not made for this season, but you are. Because God put breath in your lungs. And God has given you a heartbeat. And God is establishing your steps, and God is directing your steps. And here's the bad thing about going through a tough, scene is that, tough season is that you can convince yourself of something that God's not saying over you, of that God hasn't said over your life. You can start to convince to yourself that your best days are behind you, or that there's nothing more for you, or that God can't get you out of this situation or out of this season. See, sometimes the worst person 
to be the judge of their, of their own season is us. Look who you used to date. Come on. Y'all know it's true. God delivered you. Can somebody say amen? That was an overwhelming response of gratitude by God's people. Ephesians 4, 8 says, he gave gifts to people. God put something in you. So it didn't say he gave gifts to some people. It says that word people, it's the word man in some translations. The root of it is mankind, men and women. He gave gifts to people. And God's natural and supernatural gifts are being worked out in you day in and day out through your awareness and your connection with God, right? God's gifts and purpose are not for a self-centered life. They're given for service. This is why God gifted you. This is why God blessed you. This is why you get clients. This is why people knock on your door. This is why you can make the sale and someone else can't. This is why you have the ability and someone else doesn't. This is why you get promoted and someone else doesn't. God knows what he's working with when he started working with you. When he put what he put in you, he knew it was good. And he knew where it needed to be. And he knew where it needed to work. And he knew what needed to, to, to be tested and tried so they could remain strong. None of us would want to get into a plane or a car that hasn't been tested. None of us would. Needs to run through all the diagnostics, needs to run through all the tests, the crash test, the seatbelt test. We want to make sure the thing doesn't catch on fire when we start it, right? There's a lot of tests that it has to go through. So we don't understand sometimes that the very tests that we're going through are God positioning us for something that will actually last. Not something that will blow up on the first try. Some of you need to give yourself some more grace in this season. God is trying to get you aware of what he's put in you. There are some things that you're still standing in that others could not stand in. Could not stand through. But he's given you that strength. He's given you that ability. 1 Peter 4.10 says, God has given each of you a gift from his variety of spiritual gifts, use them well to serve one another. Our, our gifts are not for us. They're for others. They're for other people. So the question is, in this season, do you find yourself serving others or do you find yourself only serving yourself? Come on. Do you find yourself serving others or only serving yourself? Why is every pastor complaining in America that 30 to 40% of their congregation are no longer going to church and these aren't connected to health reasons due to COVID? Is it because 30 to 40% didn't have any roots in God's church? It was an event. They show up, it's a religious duty, and then peace out. And then when the pressure got tough, come on, this is not just our church or, or the church down the road. Every church across the nation, every pastor I'm talking to, all the stats that are coming out show where people's roots were or were not. This is a big deal that we're praying for God to change the country and change the nation. And 30, for, 30 to 40 percent are wearing the uniform but don't even want to play in the game. Welcome to Baptism Sunday. We're getting a little real today. See, if you don't take this seriously, your kids and your grandkids will suffer the consequences for it. If you blow it off like, ah, you know, 
peace out, me and God, you know, it's all good. And, and he's more of a religious badge. Your kids and grandkids pay the price for that lethargic attitude towards God and his church. Come on, you know what your house is like when it doesn't get clean for two weeks? What about a month? What about six months? Some of you are like, this, would be con- this house would be condemned. It would be <laughs> shut down. The city would come in, shut us down. I'd be on the news, right? This is what happens with God's church. When people don't serve one another, it's an event. They show up and they peace out. And then they wonder why the church is the way it is. See, what's interesting is our church lost, a, uh, I would say, at that from, from last year. We closed the campus, and I would say about 30 to 40% are no longer coming to Grace Avenue. They're not going anywhere. But the giving financially was only affected by 10%. Some of you are like, I'm not very good at math, Daniel. We <laughs> tell you what that means. There's a lot of people wearing the jersey that have, they're present but not invested. And there's a lot of people in church that are like, hey, I'm present. <laughs> I'm here. There's no investment with God. There's no investment in their, their gifts that they've been, they've been created for a purpose in this generation, in this season, in this city, in this moment. And their prayers are more like, I'm waiting on you, God. And God's like, I gave you gifts naturally and spiritually. What are you doing with these things? Are you serving yourself or are you serving others? What has God given us? Okay, God gave and God gives. God gives us, here's one thing, wisdom. God gives us wisdom. When we want it, he gives it. One of the first prayers I I prayed in my early 20s when God really got a hold of me, I used to pray this prayer over and over and over because I read it. And I read when God blessed Solomon because Solomon didn't ask for the things in leadership that everybody else was asking for. He asked for the things that mattered to God. He said, God, give me wisdom to govern this great people of yours. And God tells him, because you've not asked for riches and long life and health and power and all these things, not only am I going to give you all of those things, I'm going to give you the wisdom that you need to govern God's people. Solomon wasn't just in it for the title and the power, and the authority, and the prominence, and the status of what people thought of him. I'm king. Come on, that's the danger of getting everything that we pray for, that we start to think it's on us. Uh, Look how many businesses across the nation right now, how much empty real estate there is in businesses. Those are people's dreams. Those are people's livelihoods and hopes. And the reality is that so much can change so quickly. And the question we got to ask ourselves in times like this is, are we really dependent on God daily the way we profess to be? Now, are we really connected to God the way we say? Because God says he'll give us wisdom. James 1.5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, come on, wives, just elbow your husband and say, come on, you lack a lot of wisdom. Listen to what he's saying. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. If you want wisdom, God says, I want to give it to you. Look what he says in Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in God, and he gives you the desires of your heart. How many of you know that in times past, maybe times now, the desires of your heart were not the best? 
that there are moments and seasons where you wouldn't trust your heart with your daughter or your son or your spouse. Okay, so we can't kid ourselves that our heart is always just this joyous, bubbly, perfect, Jesus-loving thing. Oh, we're great. Everything's good. No, no, no. There are places in our life God is eradicating things out of, taking things out of, and replacing with his desires. And when God replaces with his desires and seals it with the Holy Spirit, not only does it change us, but when we take on that attitude that God gave, God gives, and now we're here to give and serve then we change everything around us. God's natural and supernatural gifts start changing people and neighbors and jobs and the way we lead people and the way we treat people. See, there's how we treat people before we're saved, and then there's how we treat people after we're saved. There's the way we look at people before we're saved, and then there's the way we look at people after we're saved. There's a way we judged people before, and now we realize that's God's business. My job is to love. My job is to guide people in peace not condemn people in shame. And these are the things that make a difference in our lives, and then they make a difference in our kids, and then they make a difference in our community, and then they make a difference at our job, and then they make a difference in the way we lead a business or, or an organization. Our desires have been impacted by God. Here's another thing that God gives. God gives peace. God gave peace, and God gives peace. He says in John 14, peace I leave with you. He didn't say... Peace I'm leaving with you for today, but good luck tomorrow. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Don't let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. Come on. We've said amen to that scripture. God knows how many times when we, we claim the Lord's peace over our life in a situation, and then we go through situations that feel like hell, and we have to find God's peace in the storm. And figure out, do we really believe what we said we believe? Do we really believe what we heard, what we said amen to? Another thing he gives us, forgiveness. God gave forgiveness. God gives forgiveness. God gave you forgiveness. God still gives forgiveness. I, deal with so many, I have a friend up in New York who is dealing with COVID patients who were, who were passing away. And they were dealing with situations where... They didn't have any family. They didn't have any friends. Many of these were on, on the, the fringe of society. A lot of them were homeless. A lot of them were drug addicts. A lot of them were people who didn't have any type of family, home, health care, anything. And they were passing away. And he, and he calls me. He's a chaplain. And he calls me and he says, Daniel, you would not believe the amount of regret that people are filled with. They are carrying, Daniel, I'm, he said, Daniel, I'm hearing things from people who were in their 60s that they're wrestling with from 30, 40 years ago. They're walking in this mound of regret. That is not how God has orchestrated that you live out your life, that you walk around in unforgiveness, polluting your own spirit, that you walk around with, with bitterness that, that's destroying you, that you're waiting from some chaplain on your last days to finally get off of your chest. See, God offers forgiveness. In 1 John 1, 9, he says, if we confess our sin, he is faithful. Let me say that again. If we confess, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, you can't control whether or not people will forgive you, but you can control whether or not God will forgive you. You can put yourself in the driver's seat of establishing for yourself a place where forgiveness resides where peace resides. 
I'm trying to say is there's, there's stuff that maybe you're carrying today that you don't need to carry. And it comes out in conversations and it comes out when you're talking about things. Come on, God is trying to do a work in you. He gave you forgiveness and he still gives you forgiveness. Amen? In the New Testament, there's a story that Jesus tells, a parable. And it's called the parable of, of the talents. And this is the story where God, Jesus, is, is represented as the master. And he comes and he gives these gifts, these talents, to three different people. It says to one he gives ten, to another he gave five, and then to another he gave, he gave two. And that the guy with ten basically doubles it. When the master returns, the master, again, who's represented by Jesus, says, hey, you've done well. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into your reward. And then he goes to the guy with five, and the guy with five has doubled that and turned that to five. And he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into your reward. And then there's a guy with two who, who expresses what I think is the heart of humanity. Because all of us have gifts and talents that we're afraid to step out into and use. From everything from the, the business we're supposed to start to the parent we're supposed to be, to the Christian we're supposed to be, to the grandparents we're supposed to be, to the neighbor we're supposed to be, there's, there's fear that comes in. And it's not just about this guy doubling his money and making money for Jesus. That's, that's really the, not the point of the story. The, the point is that this man was so gripped with fear that it says that he took his talent and he buried it in the ground. And when the master asks him why, the bottom line is, is he was afraid and fearful of doing anything with it. The gift that had been given, the natural and the spiritual gift that had been given, he was so consumed with fear, he buries it in the ground. And it's not a good ending, what happens to this guy, if you read the story. What, what, what the master, what Jesus actually says to this person who, who took the gifts, held on to them, but did not serve anyone. Basically lived a self-serving life. Living a fearful life is a self-serving life. We've got one chance, this life, to make a difference. Unless you're a cat and you have nine lives, the rest of us have one life. One shot, one generation, one chance to be who God has called us to be, to do what God has called us to do. I want you to notice some comparisons here. With all of these, these people that the master gives something to, all of them were given something. None of them received the same amount, and none were told what to do with it. How much time do we spend comparing what somebody has versus what we have? How much time do we spend praying about, God, what am I supposed to do with this natural and spiritual talent you've given me instead of just using it? You know, you notice the summary is that we've all received something. We've all received something. We have to identify it. We've all received something different and not compare it. And we've all received something different that belongs to God. We have to steward it well so that more will be given. See, the moral of the story in, the, in this parable is that Jesus tells these, these guys who took what they had and used it, he said, more is going to be given to you. More opportunity, more responsibility, more wisdom, more vision, more 
opportunity to see what's before you. Come on, like a, like a, a parent with a child, when a child is stepping out into traffic, you grab the child's hand and you pull them back really quickly because you can see something that they can't. That's the kind of wisdom God will give you to see business that others can't see, to see opportunities that people can't see, to see compassion that needs to be shown that others can't see, to show mercy, to show grace, to show forgiveness that others can't see. God will give that to you and not leave you in the dark on situations. God will bring you up to use you powerfully. No matter what season of life, no matter what age, God will utilize you. All of them were given something. You've been given something. None of them received the same amount. We're all in different levels here of life, income, education, background, what we got, who was our parent, who we didn't have as a parent, what we wish we'd have gotten. Look, we can spend years trying to get healed and whole from things we didn't get, or we can say, you know what, God? You're enough. And because you're enough, I'm going to make the best and the most of what you put in my hands. I'm not going to compare it. I'm going to steward it well. I'm going to make the best and the most of it. I'm going to identify it. Whatever it is, new and old, I'm going to be grateful and use it for your glory. I'll close with this statement. Sometimes it's easier for us to give money than it is for us to serve people. It's easier, easy for us to, to use our, our prominence to to bless people with finances than to humble ourselves and step out of a prideful place and say, I'm going to serve somebody. And while we're giving money and it's blessing someone in this arena, someone's not being served in this arena. And that's what it's like for churches. That's what it's like for people. That's what it's like for our neighbors. Come on. This morning, if it's easier for you to give money than it is to extend yourself to someone who maybe, maybe you don't even agree with, then maybe that's the real test at hand this morning. Maybe God's trying to awaken something in us that gets us to see beyond who we would serve or how we would do it or the way we would do it and just serve. Just serve people. To get up in the morning and come with that mindset, God, I thank you for the gifts you've given me. I'm here to depend on you daily for the opportunities you're bringing in front of me. God, help me to be the parent you've called me to be. Help me lead in business the way you've called me. Help me to be the employee. Help me to be the manager. To take that mindset every day into work, knowing it's not about me. It's for his glory. Amen. Amen. If you would like the most up-to-date information about Grace Avenue Church, or you are looking for a way to support this ministry, please visit us online at graceavenuechurch.com. Thanks for listening.